Okay, hi Krista, thank you for having us for having us here and for the interview. I want to get your authorization to record this conversation, if that's okay with you. Yes, you have my permission. Thank you. Um, so you were, can you tell me your role uh, in the Make and Connect project? Um, so I'm the managing director of the Better Block Foundation, uh, so I assist with some of the various uh, projects that we do. Uh, so on the Make and Connects, uh, I, Monica was the main project manager for that, and I helped out alongside. Okay, um, so let's focus on that project. The main question is, how was the problem presented to you? What did they want to do in Macon? Why okay. that project? Um, see if I remember all the details. Um, so with Macon, the idea there, I, I can't, I think it was a Night Cities Challenge winner uh, with 880 Cities. And so um, you're familiar with 880 out of Canada and some of the work that they do. Um, so we wanted to partner together on a project and uh, Macon had been talking about uh, wanting to better connect um, their, um, their bicycling routes and uh, do what's called a minimum grid. And that's kind of 880 City's specialty is the minimum grid. Uh, their founder is the one who kind of came up with that idea. And so what we proposed doing was uh, making the world's largest pop-up bike network um, by painting, I think we ended up painting about five miles of bike lanes that connected eight miles total throughout the city. And uh, we tested out the different types of bicycle infrastructure and kind of did different approaches on different streets and then did surveys to see how people felt both as a bicyclist and a pedestrian and a motorist and to kind of figure out what people ended up liking the most. Okay. And how did you come up with the roots of the issue? Because probably you got a phone call saying we want you to help us test yeah. the fight, uh, like, like bike lanes. So I don't, I think I came into this after all of that had been set, like after the grant was applied for. Um, so I do not remember how that partnership came about. Um, you're talking to Monica, correct? Is Hopefully. That... Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, Patrick is uh, helping me. Connecting you, okay, me. perfect. Yeah, I think she would be good to talk to about that yeah. um, because she might know the back end of that story a little bit better than I do. Jason may know it too, but I cannot remember how we were first approached about it. Okay, but how did you make? Uh, how did you get to the issue to the, like the roots? What what were the, the problem? The real problem there so, that, you, that you decided like let's test this. Yeah, they really have been working to um, kind of bring back their downtown, build up the infrastructure around it. So the group that we partnered with um, is Newtown Macon, and uh, they were really focused on the city core and um, kind of emphasizing bicycling infrastructure in that way. Um, and then they have great, like they have a lot of interesting things around the city. So they thought, how can we better connect what's going on in the core to what's going on around it and bring people you know, back and forth between the two. And so that was kind of the hopes with the minimum grid is that we could better connect all of the energy that's going on around the city. Okay. How do you design the prototyping phase? So um, again, unfortunately, that was, or fortunately, whichever, uh, that was a lot of Monica. Uh, working with the city engineers and um, with Newtown Macon and saying, okay, what, uh, what streets 
can we work on, um, where would it be most beneficial to test these out, what plans do you have from the past, what plans do you have for the future, and kind of bringing all of that together and then really mapping out where we were going to be prototyping the different um, approaches to bicycling infrastructure. Okay. Um, so having the opportunity to test your solution, um, how does that affect your decisions in the designing phase? So that was, um, it's been interesting because based on the results of the Make and Connects, uh, they were able to use that to uh, craft their permanent uh, downtown bicycling plan. And uh, some of the proposals that we had from Make and Connects are part of that plan and really helped craft that going forward. Um, I will say the idea of doing different bicycling infrastructure on different streets was confusing uh, for bicyclists and for motorists. Um, and so it was one of those things, like we even did, at one point we did a Copenhagen left which a lot of people just weren't that familiar with. Um, so through that project, we learned, okay, if, if you're going to test out the different bicycling infrastructure, which I think should be a discussion first of, should you do that or not? Should you test out just one type? Or should you test out two types? Or should you test out all the types? Um, if you decide to test out multiple types, there definitely needs to be more education on the back end so that once it's on the streets, um, people kind of have a better understanding of how they should react to it. Um, so in the survey results, you'll see that um, some of the infrastructure that's just not well known in America wasn't well loved. Um, so those elements didn't make it into the final plan. But what we assumed would happen did end up happening, but it really helped for the planners and the engineers and um, Newtown making, it helped everyone to kind of have those numbers to look back on and mm -hmm. say, this is what we actually saw. Like we can guess that this is what's gonna happen, but this is actually what happened and these are how people responded and here's what we should do going forward. Okay, so what things you included in the project that, or what design features you included that you wouldn't have included? if this was a permanent project? Probably the Copenhagen left. <laughs> I don't think we would do that one. Let me look at some of the others. Again, it's been a little while since I've spent a lot of time on this particular project, so I need to uh, remember. I know we have someone in here, somewhere in here where we did all of our different. Um, I think we... God, this was just this was so much painting. It was so hot, and we were doing so much painting. It was so interesting. Five miles is a lot. <laughs> with baseball stripers. I mean, that was that was the thing. Five miles with baseball stripers. Uh, you know, Sharrows, as we all know, aren't the greatest um, because they give a false sense of security to bicyclists. Um, but people really just don't know what a Sharrow means from from a motorist perspective. Um, so they're the easiest thing to place, but they're not necessarily the best thing to place. Um, let's see, the bike lanes are fine, but I think um, it was the, and the two-way cycle track, I can't remember if they ended up putting that in. I'm gonna have to look at their studies to see what they did. I know that the um, buffered bike lanes are the most popular, and that's what people felt the most comfortable with. And so I think this is kind of what they're ended up going with. Mm -hmm. in most cases when they could, uh, which is what we were kind of encouraging them to do. 
How about putting the two, like what this one is showing, the two yeah, main Yeah, I medium. don't know if this ended up getting approved or not. I'm going to have to look through their report. Did approved. it? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, and that was, and again, like the survey results kind of helped uh, with a lot of this. But yeah, that ended up being a popular element of it as well. So if you would have, if you would have called to build one of these, but not a prototype, a permanent one, you definitely wouldn't have tested all of these. No, types. no, you. I would. I wouldn't test all these different ones in a permanent, um, a permanent one, um, because I think it was too confusing. People just didn't know when it was switching from one to the other. I think you could do it in some ways, um, and but I think you would want to kind of work through that a little bit more okay. uh, before just going full throttle on it. Okay. Uh, so, what characteristics did you wanted to test? Of the prototype um, for the design features. I mean, first, would people use it? So mm -hmm. you know, and that was, of course, we're doing an event around this, and we're you know making it a big splash, and so um, people were really excited to use it. Uh, it ended up staying up longer than we had anticipated. The mayor wanted to leave it up, I think, for a week, um, and people continued to use it. So that's the first thing. It's just. If you build it, will they come? And in most cases, yes. If you are building good bicycling infrastructure, people are going to want to use it. Um, so that would be the first thing. Um, how does city staff feel about it? Um, the engineers, I don't, uh, they kind of, I don't know that they fully understood what we were going to do in the very beginning. And so when they actually saw it being placed, um, they were like, whoa, 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 we need to kind of tweak some things. Um, so just kind of figuring out what they were comfortable with doing and um, how we could work best with them, which I think informs the relationship going forward, you know, with Newtown Macon working with the engineers, how does all of this kind of come together? And they've already had some of those conversations on a temporary basis, so it helps when it gets to the permanent you know, mm -hmm. feature. Um, and what we like to say about our projects, like the, with it being temporary, it's erasing the fear of permanency. And we find a lot of times, you know, just you're going to do what and you're going to change it how and I haven't had any input and that makes people really nervous. But when they get a chance to feel it, to test it, to have their voices heard, then they're going to be more on board with the idea of making the changes. Okay. How about that part that you mentioned about this, this fear of being permanent or not? How does that affect on the designer side when they are designing a prototype? Um, I think it's easier for us because we do, I mean, we can say it's a prototype, so all of this is going to wash away after a few rains and, um, you know, it, it, it helps us help people kind of see the idea. Um, so I think having a little bit of wiggle room in that it's not a permanent thing really helps the designer, it helps the engineering team, and it helps a lot of people um, be a little more open to some different ideas. Okay. Do you think it can, uh, it can be a, it can enhance creativity and innovation? I think so. I mean, because you, um, you get to play a little bit and you get to test things out and know that, you know, this is not going to be the permanent change. Um, and I think it allows you to, yeah, have a little creativity in your approach um, within the boundaries that, you know, you're kind of under anyway. Um, but it really, and then it helps, it can lead to some ideas that people may have not thought about 
um, just when you're thinking permanent and we have to you know make this as easy a change as possible change mm -hmm. is hard yeah um, so about the about this project did you guys test it and uh, what what were you trying to test when you were there with the bike lanes just the different infrastructure and how people would respond to that um, and then testing out just the concept as a whole would people want to use this um, more but what were you testing between those uh, bike lanes types between what were you them? asking the people uh, uh, the survey questions what Is that you, what you're asking? I'm about? asking what did you wanted to know uh, from the people to see that. Like you one of the things you said is you wanted to see if people will go there. Yeah. So you you well, had like, counters there to see, okay, maybe this one there's more there are more people mm -hmm. or that. What else were you testing um, to see if it is work or not? Yeah, do they feel safe? Okay. Um, which is always one of the first questions um, in, in all of these that you ask. And I think um, you know, in Dallas, like we have dockless bike share now, which I think is wonderful. Uh, but I see so many people riding on the sidewalk, and it's because they don't feel safe on the street because we don't have bicycling infrastructure. Um, so I think that's a first thing is like, do you feel safe as a cyclist on this, you know, these types of roads? Um, I'm trying to think. So 880 Cities did a lot of the actual survey uh, mm -hmm. portion of it. So I think. Um, I don't know if I have the original surveys. I probably have it somewhere, that um, we can we can find that information as well. Because and you can see the exact questions they asked. But um, one was like, "Are you inspired to ride more after experiencing the bike network?" Um, and and the mayor, I don't think he he wasn't a big cyclist, um, but he we did this. And um, he did um, a little bit of the ride with us. And then the next week he went to Copenhagen. And so when he came back, he was pretty fired up about doing more bicycling infrastructure in the city and getting that to be a more permanent thing for them. They're actually changing, uh, they're passing a legislation yeah. to make it uh, a complete street. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's becoming mandatory now in Macon to do that. Yeah. They, they're actually talking with some... Uh, they are privately funding some bike lanes and the city is kind of like doing two to one okay so cool, like cool. they're they're building in i think in, in this year they're building a three mile okay by okay that is permanent one mile is is uh funded by private but okay. American. yeah they're fundraising that and it's connecting a two mile uh bike lane that is being done by the city so good so those are like some yeah. of the permanent changes yeah. that happen yeah And they're, I mean, they're awesome. Like Newtown Megan is incredible to work with and you met all of them, so they're so great, but yeah. What were you testing in the things that you made at the block party? You closed one street that was... So the block party was done, uh, so this was, uh, this is our first partnership with 880 Cities, I think. Uh, so they did the block party and then we did the bicycling infrastructure. Uh, so I don't... Again, we painted a lot of bike lanes. Uh, so I was not involved in the actual block party okay. much at all, except for we kind of hung out at the end. And, uh, but I, I don't even remember, I know there was sand, but I don't remember, <laughs> I don't remember exactly. what else was going on. I know they put out some pianos, which were really well received and people were playing. Um, remember the okay. rest of the block party. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was uh, 
And I was like, that's, I, we are on the same page. That's why you've got to get them involved. And so that ends up being a big part of it is you're identifying the leaders in the community and you're getting them to kind of come out, you're getting them to engage. And then you're starting to see how people work together so that when a better block is over, we really kind of consider that the first step. Um, because now you've got an organized group, you've given them some action items, you've given them steps forward, and now they can go fight to make these things more permanent. Um, let's see, so the, the having it temporary is helpful. Um, you're also introducing them, I mean it's uh, one of our, in one of our reports, the Ken Moore report, I believe Tina says in there, like, if, if it's not messy, you're not doing it correctly. Mm -hmm. And so I think for a lot of people, especially people who are gonna take on the organizing role of doing something like this, that is very uncomfortable. For me, that is very uncomfortable. <laughs> I like things clean and tidy and organized. And um, this process does get a little bit messy. And I think that's helpful for a community. It also introduces these leaders to city staff and to the different people that they need to be talking to. Um, and should have already had a relationship with probably, but now they're more connected and they have a win under their belts and they can kind of move forward. Um, I think one great thing is it is, you know, 90 to 120 days, so it's quick. Um, and you do get that win under your belt. Maybe one of the pitfalls is it's 90 to 120 days, so it's quick. So you have to move pretty quickly on everything. And so you've done, done four month prototypes? We have. Um, the, actually, one we're doing right now is in um, Aberdeen, South Dakota. I don't know if Patrick talked to you at all about yeah. that one. Uh, yeah, so that one has been, we actually launched that, I think, the end of December. So that one's been a little bit of a longer process oh, okay. as well. I thought you, you meant that you left it in place oh, no, 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 for no. four months. No, we haven't done that. Um, Did they make on the largest one? Since yeah, major for a week long. Um, yeah, Macon may be, you know, with our whole wiki block arm of things, um, things are able to stay out longer now, like the furniture side of it. Um, so like the project we did in Kenmore, some of the bus stops are still out. Um, they still use the furniture for different activations mm -hmm. and things like that. So it's kind of, Wikiblock has really kind of gotten us into this more semi-permanent role. Um, the Morris columns that we do, I don't, has anybody explained Wikiblock no. and Morris columns and all that stuff? I know Wikiblock because okay. I, you know, I checked it. I don't know okay. about Morris columns. Okay, so Wikiblock is our library of street furniture designs that anyone can download cut them out using a CNC router, snap them together without any glue screws or nails, and then put them out on the street. Um, so each project that we do, we're now incorporating a lot of Wikiblock into it. And what's been so great about it is we're able to pull out the artists in the community and incorporate their work into the Wikiblock pieces um, so that it's a better reflection of the community. Okay. Um, so the Morris column is, and you can see one that's kind of somewhat disassembled outside, um, but it's like this big column uh, that it's Wikiblock, so the community builds it together at the kickoff. Um, the top piece is generally a logo or a reflection of the community. Um, so like this is the Bishop Arts District just down here, so we've got a bishop that sits on top. Uh, the one that we're working on downtown, our thing is a Pegasus, so we have a Pegasus on top. Mm -hmm. um, so we can kind of incorporate, we did one in um, Five Points in North Carolina and Charlotte, um, and we had, they had an artist who had kind of a sketch drawing of a woman dancing, and so that ended up being the top piece for that. 
Um, but the Morris column sits, we designate whatever block we're working in, the Morris column sits there, the community builds it, and then it's there for the duration of the project. So the 90 to 120 days, um, it acts as a community board, so you mm -hmm. can put information up about the better block or whatever else you may need in that area. Um, and it's, you know, that's been an interesting, we started doing this last year, and we have a redesign of them because we learn some things as we go. <laughs> um, but they're able to, the one in Aberdeen has withstood um, a lot of snow and a lot of wind. So we were excited about that. Um, the one in Charlotte, the they asked like what happens when it gets vandalized. And our whole thing is we build for love, not for fear. And so what we're trying to do is encourage communities to you know, really take care of and foster the elements in there. And so it did. It um, Someone kicked in one of the panels, and the next day the neighborhood was out like doing repairs and making their own artwork out of it. So it was kind of a fun way to see them take over. Yeah, yeah. take ownership, yeah. Of, ownership of the project. Nice. Um, so what happens after you, you go through prototyping, you clean up, and then what happens after that? So after that, um, we usually do reports to follow up with the community. Um, we're kind of talking them, to them about what next steps might look like. Um, two of the groups in Akron have started CDCs. Um, community development corporations and so those have been direct results of better blocks uh, with some seed funding from the Knight Foundation um, and Kyle's you know amazing at like seeing that and seeing what the next steps need to be um, so they're both kind of doing their own things in the communities that they're working in uh, but I think that that's gonna have a really big long-term impact on both of these communities what what that what better blocks uh, turn into these North Hill um, oh, Better North Block, Hill. the very first one. Okay. So they um, started their CDC. Uh, it, it was sometime this year, um, and they launched at the Exchange House, and it was a really nice kind of moment of these different projects coming mm -hmm. together. And then Kenmore uh, was the other CDC that launched after the Kenmore project this last year. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So okay. we're excited to see what all happens with that and then we're also kind of trying to figure out what all we can learn from that mm -hmm. to help other you know groups mm -hmm. like when they're done with the better block like this could be your next step so there are some uh there are some evidence like what you just mentioned that after that the better block is not only about prototyping but that moves into like yeah. permanence yeah. yeah yeah it really again like it is kind of the first step and then mm -hmm. uh, you've got the community empowered to kind of take it beyond that Okay, and the last question is going back to the design piece in general of the better blocks. Um, how do you assess whether the design characteristics did or did not work? We do surveys of um, the community before and during a project and kind of talking about, um, you know, do you come here often? What do you like about the space? What do you not like about the space? What can we change? And then we kind of just survey people during a better block uh, survey. We uh, watch people during the better block and kind of see what elements they're using, what they're gravitating toward, and then what they're not. Um, so kind of taking a look at it in that way. Uh, we do two days for a better block. It's usually a Friday evening and a Saturday afternoon. And generally on the Friday evening at the end of that, we're kind of taking a step back and saying, 
what's worked, what hasn't worked, what do we need to make changes for for the next day. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times we are, there's a big lot, just a big empty lot they have to do something with. And um, a lot of times people want to do a market in there, but they really want to spread it out. And when you feel comfortable, when you feel good, when you feel like there's a lot of energy, it's when it's tighter and it's more intimate. Um, so generally the first day we'll kind of let them do that a little bit. And then by the second day we're kind of suggesting why don't we kind of bring things in a little bit more, bring it more to eye level and kind of see how that changes things. Okay. Um, so we try to be flexible throughout the actual better block in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Like I don't ever want to say anything that's just set in stone, like we have to do it this way. Um, I kind of want the community to test it out as well and see what they feel works and then, you know, kind of just surveying and seeing how people respond okay. throughout the duration. Do you think that this methodology can be used not just in the, st in the first step, as you mentioned right now, mm -hmm. but also in a later step when they are coming up with the final design? Yeah, I think, uh, I think the community wants a voice and wants to be involved. And so I think the more that you can involve them in the process and not just like looking at photos and making comments about photos, but giving them a chance to live it and to experience it and to breathe and to be in the space, mm -hmm. I think that makes a huge difference in how it's received when it's finally implemented full time. So yes, I think um, prototyping and allowing the community to be a part of the process can be used throughout the whole process. Nice. Do you feel that after a prototype you have the community, the different stakeholders, community leaders, uh, private foundations and city and even like you guys as the designers, mm -hmm. do you feel that everybody gets like on the same page about the idea? Does for the most part, for the most part. I think there are some, you know, with tiny details or different things that mm -hmm. not everyone's going to agree on. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think the bigger picture elements, people can say, yes, this is something that we should be kind of working toward. Um, so I think you can get people close to being on the same page. Okay. I would never say it's 100%, but close. Yeah. But kind of like at least saying, okay, we're going that way. Yeah, yeah. This is the direction we want to go as a community. Okay. Well, those were all my questions Great. for today. Thank you. Okay. Let me first say this. Yeah. It would be really <laughs> sad if I ended.